Hi, this is the Life in Bomb City podcast brought to you by Emerald College's Social and Behavioral Sciences Department. I'm Aaron Faber. I'm Dr. Beth Rodriguez. And we are recording in the FM90 and Panhandle PBS studios invading their space. Uh, thank you for listening. I am from Muleshoe, Texas, which is a little itty-bitty town in the Texas Panhandle. I think we were notably known in the last uh, 2018 midterm from Beto O'Rourke by as as being known for our barbecue. That's actually not true. We are known for our Mexican food or our Tex-Mex <laughs> food. Uh, the uh, original, the original Leals is right there. And so started out wanting to do um, intelligence for the United States Marine Corps, but I have asthma and I did not lie about it. And uh, so they would not let me do that. I scored high enough on uh, on my ASVAB at that time to have done that, and uh, I was excited about it. But that didn't happen, uh, so I went to college. Actually, I played in a band for a little while, and then I went to college at uh, Baylor and uh, subsequently went to grad school at uh, the Bush School of Government and Public Service. So my, my academic um, interests are history, political science, international affairs, national security matters, things of that nature. I'm not too far off from you. I'm from here, Amarillo. This is where we are. Um, also, not many people know where it is, but we are in the middle of the panhandle, mm-hmm. um, and it's not always hot. In fact, it's probably one of the windiest places I've ever been to in my entire life. Yeah, Chicago totally stole that from <sighs> that us. That is not even true. Yeah, <laughs> um, But for me, same thing. I kind of actually started my college career off playing volleyball. That was my the reason I went and the reason I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, you know, people say all the time, we're going to need to know. So you have a path. And I don't know that people know where they're going just yet. And I didn't know. I was actually a business and marketing major. And then I met a professor and he was talking about psychology. And I realized this was really cool. So I ended up leaving um, Midwestern. That's where I was playing volleyball. And I, um, cause I tore my ACL. <laughs> and then so I, it was, oh, it was awful. And then I cracked a vertebrae in my back. And then I had a run in with the coach. <laughs> surprise, surprise. You'll see you later. Um, and then I uh, transferred to University of Oklahoma because I am Indian. And if you would see me right now, okay, I'm just want to explain because a lot of people hear Rodriguez and they assume that I am Hispanic and I'm white, <laughs> very white, blonde hair, blue eyes, um, but I'm also Indian. I'm an eighth Indian. Osage is the one that I'm on the list for. And so I went to University of Oklahoma and actually got some scholarship money to go. Um, I got a leadership scholarship and then Indian money. So it was almost free at University of Oklahoma. Plus, the Sooners are the best. Um, once I left OU, um, I hey, knew... Hey, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley is from Milshoe. I know. I love that. Sorry, I wanted to plug that if you're yes. going to say Sooners. I, why not? And then I, um, after that, I didn't knew. I got my psychology bachelor's degree, and I knew that there's not much... I mean, you can do a lot of stuff, but you can't do a lot of stuff in psychology with just a bachelor's. So I knew that I was going to go and go to grad school, and I ended up going to TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a horned frog, and it was it was a lot of fun. My claim to fame on that is I um, had LaDainian Tomlinson, professional football player. He was in my class, my general psychology class. Um, he was actually a great student. He actually put in a lot of effort, which was huge because, you know, sometimes the uh, athletes that are amazing sometimes they don't need to but right. he did he wanted to be successful so it was pretty cool yeah. 
Yeah, that's really cool. It was. I too wanted to. I wanted to do what everybody else wants to do in psychology, and I wanted to be a profiler. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to work for the FBI. Okay. Like and criminal minds. Yeah. Yes, type, type exactly. <clears throat> you know, to go out and decide who is going to do what, and it was very eye-opening. I did get an interview with the FBI, and it was a three-day-long interview process, and obviously. I didn't <laughs> pass something. I don't know what it was. Um, well, they ended up telling me it was because of my security clearance. I'd never worked for the government. I never. So they had other people who were in the same place as me that had already had security clearance. So, of course, they're going to take them. Mm-hmm. And so. It's a matter of, matter of uh, being able to speed up the process. Exactly. Yeah. It's and like that's six kinda, months or something. It, it's great. It, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it could have been done. That's why I was upset. And I was like, I could work for the FBI, but. I'm not, and I'm actually loving the job that I have, which kind of gives me my priorities, puts them like in line. Um, for a while, I thought career was mine, and then I had kids, and now I realize that that is my number one. I'm mom. So my job is really mom and then professor. <laughs> That's kind of okay. how it works. I got you. Yeah. I got you. I, so I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I think that I'm, I'm still in the phase of my life where I'm figuring that out, you know, uh, honestly. Well, I know, I know that dad is my number one priority and, and husband, but right now I'm working, um, I feel like I'm working in a new job. This is my first year full-time faculty at Amarillo College, and I am loving it so much. I just want to just fire all engines. And so uh, I feel like a kind of a, a dog that's been let off his leash. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of headed in that direction. So the the topic that we chose to talk about today was politics and the kind of the mission of our podcast we have probably thousands of issues that we could talk about um here in the the greater amarillo area we have uh not only poverty but um, just lots and lots of of social issues and social problems in uh in amarillo but in addition to that uh, we have a lot of other things going on the title of our podcast is Life in Bomb City. That's not by mistake. We have the uh, plant outside of Amarillo that uh, assembles and disassembles uh, the most lethal killing device ever devised in the history of mankind. And the thing that drove fear for 60 years and still continues to drive fear into, uh, into the uh, American mind. So eventually we're going to end up talking about that at, probably at some point. Absolutely, <laughs> um, but uh, but we're but we're 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 centering around a lot of different things that that are going on in our area in our community. Amarillo College uh, has a has a wonderful mission. I'd like to maybe you could talk about that a little. Absolutely, there's a well. The actual mission is seventy percent by twenty twenty. God, that's next year already, which is crazy. Um, but that the seventy percent is that we have seventy percent of our students being successful and completing. The reason it becomes an issue is we're not just going to get them through, but we want these, you know, students who sometimes run into all these different barriers and different things like that. We want them, we want to be the ones that remove them and we're going to be the ones that, you know, try to support them and move them to the next level so they can be successful. And that's really what this, the idea of Emerald College is. It's no longer about just getting credit hours and just getting people in, you know, but it's like getting people in so we can actually give back to the community, making these students very successful. And that success will then bleed into our community, which will then allow the community to be even more successful. 
And that's one of the things that I love that our president, um, Russell Lowry Hart, he really did like bring home that point that the community college is really a huge part of our community. And if we could actually get these students that are in our area at a higher education, then they're actually going to be more beneficial to everyone. And right. that's kind of like the, that is the purpose right. is we're here to make people successful. That's right. And I love that. I do too. And uh, in addition to that, we have all of these services that we offer on, on campus that allows students to, uh, to be kind of propped up and helped out in any way they can. We have a wonderful group of people uh, that work in the, in the ARC, uh, which is our resources, our advocacy, advocacy resources center, um, where they can uh, get all kinds of things dealing with food insecurity and job insecurity and uh, clothing, clothing. Yeah, just you name it. And we are we've got some type of an organization on campus or service to try to help those uh, student populations that uh, that are struggling uh, as a result of uh, being in an impoverished position. And I love that. I love that too. It's like mm-hmm. we get to walk side by side. It kind of reminds me of the old Al, the, the Albert Camus quote. It's a popularized quote now. I'm not sure that how how the, the exact context that he actually said it mm-hmm. whenever he said it, but it was like don't don't walk too far in front of me. I may not follow you. Don't don't walk behind me. I may not lead you, but walk beside me and be my friend. Mm-hmm. And that's I feel like that's kind of like the the culture here at Emerald College. Absolutely. And I mean that's just one of the issues is we constantly have to realize that there's a lot of people who are very lucky and there's a lot of people who aren't very lucky, but it doesn't mean that everybody can't be successful. And even though, you know, we come from different backgrounds and different things that are going on, we can all end up in the same place. And that's what's, it's really exciting. And I think that's kind of why we come to work. I think that's why we do what we do. I mean, the typical student here, I think is really important to kind of get this out there. The typical student is usually around 22. And most of the time, it's a female. Most of the time, she has at least one kid and working a full-time job while trying to be a full-time student. And not usually, they're not necessarily married. They don't have necessarily another support system. Um, 61% of our student population is in or below poverty level. And I think that, that, that statistic right there is like, wow. And how, you know, like, what can we do? Because we have all these textbooks, we have different things. We we know that they have to have a job because they have to work, because they also have to pay for school even though they have financial aid. But then that helps with school. And so what are they going to live on? And so we know that their time is valuable. And so we want to make the most of that time that they're here and not just give them a grade, not just get them a credit, but to teach them how to use what we're doing to help them critically think, to be more successful in life. Right. And to learn how to put forth effort in an academic context. I mean, it's, it's completely different from whenever I, my, I was, I got engaged to my wife, I bought a ring and I bought it on credit. I didn't save up the way you're supposed to do, you know, the, (laughs) but I went ahead and and just bought it because I I was just being bold and, you know, whatever. (laughs) And so I went and took a job at a uh, at Famous Dave's whenever it was still here in town, and I worked as a as a server. And it was like switching mindsets between being an educator and doing that it was just unbelievable. There was so much there was there was room for error and thinking and contemplation about like what I'd done wrong, 
And then you switched, you just really had to switch gears and go, okay, now I'm moving into a place where there's no, very little margin of error. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm remi- I remind myself that that's exactly the way, the type of mindset that our students are in. So kind of pulling them out of that mindset that they can't make mistakes and it's not okay, it's not okay to make mistakes and you're going to get in trouble if you do into a mindset where they can say, you know, I, 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 I failed this, but I'm going to get back up and it's okay because this is an academic environment and we are part of a discussion and it's a discussion that goes back thousands of years. And that's one of the fun things about being a, being an educator here on our campus. Absolutely. And I think, I do think that we need to keep on letting them know that it's okay to mess up. Like that's how you learn. And, you know, I think the main reason why people cheat on any thing, any paper, any exam, anything, is because they don't want to fail. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they aren't prepared even maybe, but they're just so nervous about failing, they'd rather cheat so they can. And then what? they're actually cheating themselves. You know, they've paid for this. They've paid for an education. You know, if they're cheating, they're not learning anything. And it's so, and I think that that's what we need to change from. It's like the idea of being successful because you actually learn something versus being successful because you have a 4.0. Right. And I just don't, I don't know that a true test of really learning is your 4.0. I don't know that that's it. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's bad. All of you 4.0 students, that's amazing. (laughs) However, keep it up. up. That's great. But I'm just saying that, you know, looking at the numbers, is that really the measure of have you learned? Did we teach you? Are you being successful? Are you going to be, you know, have that practical intelligence where it allows you to be successful in your life? Right. Putting forth a lot of effort. Absolutely. Um, and not, not, not discounting the fact that, you know, for example, like the, I think the, the, ant, the, the counter argument to that would certainly be, well, they're going to have an A for effort. No, 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 no. That's no. not what we're saying at all in the slightest. But, but effort being something as a measuring stick how how hard how hard are people working to better themselves and increase their uh, their academic growth and so if we when we're measuring growth over time it's a, that's completely different than measuring knowledge absolutely um so it, the knowledge will come i believe that if somebody is putting forth enough effort the knowledge comes and that brings about the experience and of course eventually wisdom hopefully <laughs> sometimes through the awful grace of god <laughs> but absolutely well, see, that's what I was in my class. I te- um, one of the classes I teach is general psychology, and almost everybody on campus has to take it for every major, which I'm really lucky, so I get to see a lot of students. But when they do, I always I don't I don't do a comprehensive final, and I know that's kind of like I don't know if I should say it, but it's taboo. But the truth is, is with general psychology, we are doing eight week classes. That is another issue. That I mean, it's it's good. But it's something that is a lot different that we're still trying to adapt to to make sure that we are doing the best things for our students. But when I do the general class in eight weeks, there's 15 different topics that we talk about. 15 different in eight weeks. And so I don't feel like a comprehensive final is really indicative of what they've learned. I feel like I just need to make sure they understand the chapters that we have covered every time that we do it. And then I really think that when somebody really gets something from general psych, it's because it's relevant to their job or what they're going through right now. And I think that's the most important thing. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with, I would totally endorse that. So I, I teach uh, I teach government and uh, Texas government. And 
the conversations in our class, of course, it's all every time that I tell someone what I do for a living, uh, that they say, "Oh, this is an interesting time to be doing that." You know, <laughs> you can imagine. Isn't it really though? Shouldn't it be interesting at all times? That's exactly what I always say. I, I say it's always interesting. You know, I've been doing this for for ten years now, and I haven't yet to come walk into a classroom where I thought. I don't have anything to talk about today. You know, there's <laughs> every single day. It's dynamic. It's fluid. Things are always happening. Threats are threats are constantly being assessed. Needs are constantly needing to be met. That would be social needs. And of course, we always have desires and wants. And in a representative in a representative government, we get to we get to express that and kind of being having the discussions that we're having today in 2019. Um, Donald Trump was elected in 2016 after a very, very contentious presidential election. Mm -hmm. And then prior to that, we had had years of President Obama and the, all the movements that had uh, preceded him. And prior to that, we had had President George W. Bush and 9-11, which rocked and shook the entire, uh, the entire political uh, discourse and forum. And so... Yeah, we, we have a lot to talk about, and it's, I think it's important to talk about the way we talk about things, and I, I would love to hear your some of your perspectives about <laughs> the psychological. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. You know, one of the things that we always make sure to do is that I don't just present the side that I really go towards. I'm not a, like, I do, I'm a social psychologist, so that's what my doctorate is in, and so um, I tend to, you know, highlight some of the social psychology aspects, but I try to really make sure that everybody understands that this is not the only way and that there is a lot of different theories. There's a lot of different perspectives, approaches that you can go to explain almost every single problem that we see. And I really make sure to highlight that there's more than one perspective on every issue, every single issue. And I start my class like the very first day. I'm like, okay, listen, we're talking about psychology and there's going to be some topics that you're going to be, you're going to have strong emotions about, and it's going to be possibly very relevant or personal to you. And the main thing is we're going to be respectful and it's okay to disagree. Like, I don't, that it seems like, I think we might even have discussed this at one point in time. For some reason, um, it's become taboo to disagree. You can't, but that's not, I mean, we can agree to disagree, I totally think that that just allows us to be more enlightened about a whole topic. And you just because somebody's telling you something doesn't mean that you have to agree, but you do need to bring in the knowledge just so you can even understand your position even better, maybe. And also, you know, see that other people do have a different perspective. Right. We live um, in a civilization. Yes. The, the, key, the key part of that word is civil. Civilization. So whenever we have conversations with people, we need to be able to have good civil discourse, civic discourse, right? So, Absolutely. So that whenever whenever we disagree with someone, it's not the end all be all and it's okay to disagree just like you just now said. And it's it's not the end of the world and we can you and I you and I could disagree on, on something and then still be still go to church on Sunday and sit next to each yeah, other in the exactly. pews. You know, no big deal. It's not a not any not any skin off anybody's back. It should be. So. Okay, so I have a question. So you said, I know what you've done, but I don't think everybody else does. So you said you've only been here, this is your first year. So what did uh -huh. you do before this? Yeah, uh, so I was working in uh, K through 12, teaching the exact same government, same class that I am, U.S. Uh, US government. And that's, that's where I've been for the last nine years. 
and it's uh, it it allowed me to see a lot of a lot of different things and provide a lot of perspective from where for where I am now, specifically about kind of the I don't want to get get all conceptual, um, but hey, I'll give one of my analogies. Uh, there's there's all this soil, and then there's the plant that grows up underneath it, and I think that sometimes K through twelve can be the soil, and we're preparing soil to be able to be prepared to grow a plant that's going to go out into the world and be a good citizen. And what that is, well, I mean, not just a good citizen, but a good chemist or a good, but what, but at the end of the day, it's all about the individual and their value system. Are they going to be an ethical chemist? Are they going to be an ethical psychologist? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be an ethical political figure? Are they going to be somebody that can be reliable? Are they somebody that's creative Mm-hmm. And being able to bring those things, these are, these are all Howard Gardner things that I'm talking <laughs> about. I'm a huge uh, fan of Howard Gardner, <laughs> so that's that's pretty much that's pretty much where what I was doing prior to. And aside from playing music, I was a huge musician. So not not like like as in famous. Musician, oh, I think you were famous. No, you better. So you're gonna have to play now <laughs> on the iPod. You're gonna I, podcast. You're gonna have to. I don't think so. Um, I think <laughs> I'm gonna have to talk you into it. We may do it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, I'm so glad we actually had this conversation um, with a college the the leadership deans and chairs and um, they were talking about. Um, we actually had some people come in and say, well. My, my degree is maybe automotive. So why do I need to take history? Why do I need to take government? Why do I need to take psychology? And I really, I mean, of course, I was like, you've got like, what? Of course you do just to be a well, well rounded person. But the speaker who was here actually answered it perfectly. He said, Okay, I get it. And like you, you know, the thing is, is your emphasis is on automotive. But you also want to be a person in the society. And if you don't learn and you're not educated, when you go to a higher level education, then we're, that's not, we're not giving you the justice. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. You are not a full functioning citizen in the community if you are not knowledgeable about all these topics. And I was like, yes, thank you. Because, I mean, we see that a lot of times. And one of the things that I really try to do in my class is try to show you that I know most people are like, oh, I have to take psychology. And I'm like, but it's relevant. And I try to show them every, every, talk, we, every topic we talk about, I try to show the relevance to um, different, like life, just, you know, dealing with your boss, dealing with your spouse, dealing with your um, kids, dealing with patients, whatever you're dealing, you know, your client, whatever it is, I try to show them the relevance of every topic that we learn. And even about yourself, because that's a huge part too. Most of people say people don't do research in psychology; they do me search, <laughs> trying to figure out what's wrong with me or what's wrong with my friends, what's wrong with my family. That's that's such an interesting uh, an interesting argument, and I think it's a common, a very common criticism that that you hear, particularly if I am if okay if I'm a if I'm if I'm doing auto if I'm going to go and go and try to become an uh, an automotive technician. Why in the world am I taking a government class? Why do I need to take a government class? Well, because because I want to voice off my opinions that I've been hearing by the opinion makers on the radio and on the news. No, that's not why you take a government class. You talk, take a government class not only to talk about the issues, but to also to learn about the relational aspect of 
of the structure of government, the way that it's structured, and to understand why, or hopefully to gain a better understanding of why some of the issues are complex. Sometimes the, the reason that an issue is complex is not because it, it's a direct, a direct, indirect conflict with what you believe in. It's because there's something else there as well that is preventing it from being shown in a different light that might bring some more enlightenment. And I think so that one of the, one of the most important aspects is to have an open mind mm-hmm. when you walk into a class. And I have a similar, oh, we have such overlap <laughs> in, in our classes. It's so funny that whenever I talk to, even whenever I talk to some of our other colleagues in our hallway, we have an awesome hallway, by the way, <laughs> full of- I always say we should do a sitcom, the social department <laughs> sitcom. We could, we could do it. We could. We really could. <laughs> so- when, uh, when, whenever I, whenever I'm talking to some of them, they will, uh, we just have so much overlap that mm-hmm. we, we just kind of talk about the same types of things. And at the very beginning of my class, I make an, an equal statement, which is no, do not endanger the safety of this learning environment. Oh, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that the safety, that of the sounds... le- safety of the learning environment. Yeah. And that's not, it's not a liberal statement. That's a statement of that's just a statement of the of the commons, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, the commons with the capital C. We have to protect the commons, the political discourse in the country, and we have an obligation to do so. So, when whenever a an issue that is that does provoke a lot of emotion, such as something like uh, abortion or welfare or or as we call income security or or insecurity, I should mm-hmm. say, um, one of the one of the big the big factors is, you know, everybody wants to either stay silent because they don't want to offend anyone. Absolutely. Or people have incredibly strong opinions about it and they will try to dominate a conversation. Once we get into the safety of the learning environment and we understand what that means, and I think it's probably the same way in your courses, but I'm not sure. I don't Absolutely. want to assume. Oh, it is. Yeah. And that's what, like, I love... That we start off, of course, just talking about the overall broad, you know, information. Right. And then we do get down to the nitty gritty and we bring up stuff. And what's really neat and really cool about our population, too, is that we have anybody who's from the age of 17, 18 years old up to someone who's 60, 65. Oh, my gosh. And yes. I think that it just allows for all these different perspective and life experiences. And I mean, all this information to become shared with everybody and and it's funny because I always like people of course the younger kids always feel like oh I don't know anything and that's not true they just know it at a different level and I make sure to like hey you guys are just as valued like your experiences what's going on now is just as valued and it's completely different than somebody who is 60 65 and so you need to share too and so don't you know devalue your wisdom because they do and I hate the idea that you're only wise if you're old I don't I don't believe in that. I think that you can be wise at any point, just depending on your experiences. Second, second. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that that's, you know, the, oh, you're old and wise. I don't know that that's mm. like, those are, I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. I think you can be old and not wise, <laughs> but I also <laughs> think you can be young and wise. I mean, we see that too. So 
I just that's one of the things I really love about. Yeah, it reminds me of. I'm gonna make a Lord of the Rings reference. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and just come out and say that I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. There's so many different ways. I think it was probably one of the most important, if not the most important, work of fictional literature in the 20th century. But it's, it's because it concerns with good and evil and the this ongoing battle between you know the forces of nature and the forces of people and and what. Uh, what drives people to be good and what drives people to be bad. And it's not, it's sometimes, and most of the time it's subtle differences. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's very, very subtle differences like in Breaking Bad. Oh, that's so, such a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, a completely different cultural reference. Yeah. But uh, in Lord of the Rings, I don't remember even which uh, movie it was, and I don't remember which book it was because I haven't read the books, but I want to read the books. It's an aspiration. I just mm-hmm. haven't done that, done it yet. So it's funny that I just now said it was one of the most important ones, and I haven't read it yet. <laughs> so, But you've seen the movie. Right, I'm, I've seen, the, seen the, movie. the movie. Yeah, it's like the uh, Switchfoot song from the 90s, you know. <laughs> I'll watch the movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's a scene where the Ents... The last march of the ints takes right prior to the last march of the ints taking place, where they actually stand up to to the the darker forces around them at the time. I think it's Pippin or one of the one of the little hobbits mm-hmm. uh, that are up in the tree, and he's having a conversation with this huge tree, and he's they, he doesn't really want to get involved in the conflict, and he said, "Why why should I get involved in the conflict? Why should I be why should I be interested in the affairs of man?" things like that. And he said, because this is your world too. Mm -hmm. This is your world too. That's why. And that's why one of the things that that we talk about uh, in government and in in psychology as well, uh, and you and I have talked about this at length, the agnosium probably, (laughs) uh, the voter voter turnout and voter behavior and getting, getting the numbers up. Yeah. And, and getting people more active in our society. So Knowledge. I did. I was, we were, it's funny because we were, we were chatting, you and I, and we had talked about what's the purpose. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's to enlighten, empower, and motivate. And it's, I think that's my life in general. Like, that's what I want to do is I want to make sure you're awake and you understand. But also, I don't just want to do that. But now I want you to realize that you have power in your hands and now do something with it. Right. Like, do something. Don't just sit around with all this power and, you know, it's like, do something. And I'll tell you that Aaron has been one of these, he's, a, um, he is a contemplator. We talked about that, but he's 94% definitely, he's with defi- intensity. I think you're a doer. Like you are, you know, he gets out and wants to do things and not just talk about it, not just, you know, sit around and say, wouldn't this be cool? He's more of a, I want to do this. So what are the steps to get there? And I love that. And I'm kind yeah. of, it's, been one of the things that, you know, sometimes you get overwhelmed with different things that are going on. So sometimes you lose that, you know, that gusto of like, okay, what do we have to do to get it? And, but I think it's been something that's been kind of like a fire has been lit in the offices and the department again. And it's because of Aaron. So he's a good fire in the office. What a compliment. (laughs) What What a compliment from Dr. Beth Rodriguez. Thank you so very much. That is, uh, that is so very kind and probably so Thank you, but I don't. I will so make. now you're going to have to keep doing it. <laughs> you can't not you can't, anymore. No, no, I can't not. I yep. can't not do it. Yep, you have um, to be that. <laughs> the double negative. So I forgot where we, where we were. I don't know. I can tell you a little. Can I tell me. I'll tell you what I did before this. Okay. So before I came here, I've been here now going on my ninth year, which it feels like I just got here yesterday. 
Like it's been like, it goes so quickly because there's something happening all the time, which I do really love that. But before I was here, I actually finished up graduate school and I thought I am 26 years old. I have my doctorate. Everybody's going to want me. Everybody's going to be like, Oh, here, (laughs) take this job. And then I realized I had no experience because I just went to school. I went straight through school, not stop. And I didn't do anything but go to school. And that's, that's one of the big lessons I teach it in my class all the time. Like this lesson, life lesson one, make sure you do something in your field. So you have experiences with the knowledge. But anyways, I came back and I couldn't find a job. I couldn't find a job. And so I ended up working for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. I was a district director for almost five I years. I know that. Yes. And um, I'll tell you, the first year that I was there, my the district director that was there um, we had a little bit, of, like, we just, we didn't see really eye to eye. She was more of a negative person. I consider myself to be pretty positive. And so, I mean, we we worked together. But then all of a sudden, she decided to leave. And it was right before we do the annual telethon. And I had never done a telethon before. And I don't, I'm not a TV person. I don't know. And all of a sudden, I was in charge of a 24-hour <laughs> telethon. And Um, I had to get all the talent. I had scripts. I had to get all the volunteers. I had to get videos done of all these, you know, of our wonderful clients. And it was, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. But then I was like sitting back. And as I watched the first one that it went, um, I couldn't watch it while I was doing it because of course it's happening. But we did have the videos. I was really shocked of what you can do if you have to. Um, And I ended up staying there for five years. And I realized that I couldn't do it anymore because of my kids. Just too much that you have to be weekends, evenings, because you're doing a lot of events and raising a lot of money. And it is a little bit um, discouraging because you raise money and you feel like you're doing a really good job. And then, of course, they come back and say, yeah, well, okay, now you need to raise 100000 more. <laughs> Wait. And then... You know, um, I think the hardest part was, is it is muscular dystrophy a lot of times is a fatal disease. I would probably attend two to three funerals almost every other month. And most of the people were like 16, 17 years old or younger. And it was, it was hard. Like, and they didn't have any grief counseling. And I like that being a psychologist, I was like, this is something y'all need to like look into. We, they tell us all the time we need to develop these relationships and then we lose them and they're like, okay, move on. And it's like, wait a minute, I've really like invested in this kid and this family and all of a sudden we're done. And so, um, it became really difficult. And I had two, my two boys at that time and they were just little babies And I realized like, this is, I can't do this because I do want to be a mom. So I went back to school so I could teach. Okay. Um, And I taught middle school and coached the real, I'm coaching was my, like, that was the, and I was lucky enough that I knew the principal at Crockett. She knew me because she was my principal when I was at Emerald High. And um, that's something we have in common. We both went to Emerald High. Yes. Sandies. Blow sand, blow sand, blow. Blow sand, blow. See, that's the wind reference that's going on here. Um, But she she said, yeah, come here. I want you to come here. And um, I taught history, (laughs) social studies, eighth grade social studies. And um, I coached. It's a good one to teach, eighth grade. It it was. They they had to test. Oh, it was great. And um, I had probably the best mentor that he was 
Like he'd been doing it for a really long time. Mr. Cher is his name. He was great. And he, um, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I could talk to kids and I got along with them, but I mean, I was history. Like that wasn't, that was not my major. So I really, I was learning with them, which I thought was pretty cool. And it made me more excited. And of course, who's excited about history in the eighth grade? Like nobody, yeah. I, except for me. <laughs> um, so then I did that and I really, really loved coaching. I loved it. And those girls became like my kids. And it wasn't until I was standing, I was pregnant with my little girl at the time. And I'm standing there pregnant and my two boys are up in the stands and I'm like giving a life lesson to all these, you know, seventh and eighth grade volleyball players about how they need to work. And, to, and then I looked up in the stands and my boys are like trying to listen from the outside. And I was like, oh no, like I love coaching and I love being an influence and I love to do, but I miss my boys are on the outside. And I was like, oh, that's not, I don't feel like a good mom. Hmm. And that's when I got really lucky. I ended up having to leave school because I had my baby girl, Adrena. And when I did that, I started looking for something else that I could be more of a mom. And this job opened up. And I don't know if you guys know out there, psychology jobs never open up. People stay in their psychology in college until they just can't function. And so it was really, I don't, I hate to say the fate, but it was just like the door opened and I was so lucky enough to be able to walk through. And I did. And then I've just been here and it's been eight years and all of a sudden it's, I'm here. And it's like, wow, that happened fast. Wow. What an interesting story. What an, I mean, what an interesting story, but, to, but it's centered around family. Mm -hmm. So in, um, one of the things that we talk about in, uh, in, I guess you could say political theory is, uh, is a thing called classical Republicanism. And it's the idea that, there's, there's a lot of different components to it, a lot of many, many, many different components to it, and a lot of different philosophers from the days of Greece, mm -hmm. the days of Greece. <laughs> but the, one, of the, one of the major ones that, uh, that we discuss is that the, the community was emphasized over the individual. And when it comes to coaching, that's pretty much what you're teaching students, uh, particularly in, you know, in whatever grade that you're coaching, is that there's a time for individuality, we learned through the natural rights philosophers and there's a time for community mm -hmm. and oftentimes when we when we're when we're voting or when we're thinking about thinking about politics um, or we're thinking about a ballot we're always thinking about ourselves and our property taxes and what we're going to do and we forget that there is a community of people and we have an obligation not only to ourselves and our own family home economics but we also have an, uh, an obligation to the communal, um, the communal. I love that you need. say that because that just as brings back the idea of community college, right? Amarillo College, like it's yes, it's an obligation. Like we come to work to make money, but that's not really why we're here. We're here so we can make the students individually better, so we can make our community individually better. You know, it's like, and then we're gonna. This is a little bit big, but then it makes the whole world better. You know, it's just, I think that that's, I mean, that's the idea. Yeah. And I think that's what we're trying to establish with this podcast is highlighting each and every single one of those different pockets, uh, packets. I like, like that. That is kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't remember, Where'd you come what, from? <laughs> I don't know what, what movie that was, uh, what that was from where, where, where Brad Pitt's like, Dags, Dags. I don't oh, know. Um, 
movie. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, it was a great movie. It is. Um, I know what it is. What is it? It is something with an S. Oh my snatch. God. Snatch. Let's yeah, see. Snatch. I told you. Yeah, I, was, you I, kept, I was thinking snag. And <laughs> yeah. Snatch. Uh, that's, that's a, yeah. Dags. You like dags? Dags. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, I love Brad Pitt's a great actor. Isn't he? He oh can, my. he can go from. Have you, okay. 12 monkeys. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's one of my, <laughs> one of my all time. Nutbags. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, he does such a good job of playing uh, the, the, the crazy loon. In that movie, I, I mean, especially coming from something like uh, uh, Mr. Black, I think was what it was close to. Where uh, he was very like the the love and like sexy guy, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. He and he had done all of those movies like uh, A River Runs Through It, oh, and yeah, another good movie. And he'd also done what was the one with Anthony Hopkins and Seven. Uh, well, he did seven. Oh, that is such a good show. That is another another good one in Anthony his Hopkins is not in that show. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know where it came from. <laughs> it's uh, no, no, it's ah, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's a has a dramatic title, uh, if I remember right. Something about uh, the fall. Something about the fall. Legends of the fall. Legends oh of the fall. Oh my gosh, that's yep. such a great one. And yep. uh, curious case of Benjamin Button. Yeah, curious case oh of Benjamin God. Button. We've got all these like things in his catalog. He's so. Uh, good. I don't but, know. But why to go from off. Legends of the Fall to Seven Monkeys, I mean, where he's kind of like this, you know, impassioned whatever, yes. you know, and all these females are like gawking over him, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he goes to Seven Monkeys, and they're 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 going, wait a minute, wait, who are you? Yes, <laughs> I don't I know that I like that. him. Um, well, there's a show. Uh, my one of my favorites is True Romance. Have you ever yeah. seen it? Uh, no, I don't think I've oh seen True gosh. Romance. Okay, it's a Patricia Arquette. Okay, a Christian Slater. Okay, and then Brad Pitt is in it. But if you didn't know it was him, you have no idea. Okay, he is. His name is Floyd in the movie, and he. There's my favorite. He's smoking a. I don't know if I can say this. You can cut it out if we can. But yeah. it was a. He's smoking a bong out of a the honey bear, and they, you wouldn't. I mean, you would not know it's him. He's just like, huh. It's perfect. He's so right. good. Yeah, he's and a good it's actor. that's a great movie if you haven't seen yeah. it. And it sounds like right now we're like we're just like worshiping Brad Pitt. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> we're just. We are all about. Um, v- variety and versatility. And the, the way we got to, in, the way we got into this yes, conversation, sorry. by the way, we got into this rabbit hole is uh, I said packets and packets. what I meant to say, what I meant to say was pockets and it reminded me of snatch and, uh, and dags. So, and <laughs> but that's so, off the, yeah. Po- yeah, so that's okay. Pockets of, uh, the community and we want to bring those out and we want to illuminate them for, uh, for the community to see and for anybody else in the region or the nation or internationally Absolutely. that is interested in learning about not only the Texas Panhandle, but the variety of ways that we're trying to go about in our community tackling these issues. Yeah, they and are, I, be- I believe that these issues aren't just unique to the Texas Panhandle. No I would say that it's something that we see everywhere. So I think if we highlight it here, they understand that, you know, each community is not that much different. We have a lot of things in common. And if we, if somebody has a way of dealing with it or um, handling and making it a better situation, then if we can highlight that, then we're just giving, you know, other people tools and ways to also deal with that in their communities. Completely endorse that statement. Absolutely. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to our inaugural podcast yes. of uh, Life in Bomb City. Thank you so very much, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. What's the coordinates of a great echo?